Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I was going to start by saying go blue. Welcome back on a Monday night. A little bit of a, a, little bit of a hurdle. <laughs> Nothing we've never dealt with before. Listen, maybe this specific hurdle we haven't had before, but we're all all kinds of hurdles, man. All kinds of hurdles. We could end up calling this the hurdle podcast. I mean, like that's (laughs) like we did like 160 shows with little to no hiccups. And I feel like the last handful. Uh, It's all falling apart, Brandon. It's all falling apart. Make sure you switch that the switch that setting over there. I, I well, I gotta let the I gotta let the music go out. I'll fade the music out. Music is faded. I'm going in. Switch, switch, switch. Dude, that's all. That's just that's just what life is, Brandon. It's just a series of hurdles, and it's whether or not you've got the stamina to keep jumping. And and here we are, continuing to jump. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Here we go. Andrew Vrybel right out of the gate. Jim Harbaugh, portal God. Portal God. That's that's unbelievable efforts in the portal. Recruiting momentum picking up a bit. Still not really landing like the biggest of fish out there. Yep. But you and I had to talk about this a little bit, Chris. And we're gonna get into we're gonna get into the philosophical idea and approach in just a little bit. But first, there's five guys now that Michigan has landed in the portal. I think we already talked about Ladarius Henderson. He was the first one. He was a little ways back. Left tackle, right tackle, has played some guard. Transfer from Arizona State. Has, I think, 40-plus starts under his belt. Dude's massive. I'm not sure if he's going to get a look at left tackle, if it's right tackle. Do you want to slot him in at guard? But he's a player, and I'd be surprised if he's not one of your five best offensive lineman next year. We've talked about him a good bit. Chris, how do you feel about a starting center from Stanford who has more than 25 starts as well to more than likely come right in and slot in for Olu, Olu Atimi? Probably not as good. He's not as good as Olu. He's not a Remington finalist or, you know, a first day draft kind of guy. But Drake Nugent has given up like three quarterback hits and over 900 passing dropbacks. I mean, yeah. the dude can freaking play. Well, uh, I like it because you're, you're getting guys. I mean, I was trying to go through the numbers and it's hard to find exactly how many like uh, Josiah Stewart and um, you know, a couple of these other guys I was trying to figure out how many total games they've actually started, but you're talking about, mm. you know, five guys who have played in well over a hundred college football games already oh, yeah. at a high level. And so you know, when, when when you talk about in terms of going out and getting a high level recruit, and I think you said something about this on your on your Twitter uh, on your Twitter account, but you know, recruiting four and five star kids is obviously great, and you want to be able to do that. But when you can land five guys who have two plus years of experience, and not just playing here and there, but solid contributors, you know, people that the, the team was counting on, and you can add that to your roster, and if they can mesh with the group and fit with the vibe and fit with the culture. I think I think Jim Harbaugh is knocking it out of the park, and you and, and Olu Olu Timmy was a perfect example of how you can do a plug and play, and the guy just turns out to be the best center in the country. And so, do I expect that? Um, 
you know, they'll replicate that here when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to Drake Nugent, I'm not exactly sure, but I certainly like the fact that he's been a two year starter over there and, uh, he's been relied on heavily and you need guys like that on the football team. When, you know, you have a, you have a roster like Michigan that is going to have some turnover. They are going to lose some key guys. Um, they're going to need to bring some in. So it looks like they've lost. It look it looks like they've lost left tackle, center, right tackle. Haven't lost because both Trente Jones and Carson Barnhart will be back, but both of those guys could play guard. And then you go out and you land oh, uh, just Miles Hinton, six seven three fifty probably. Dude's massive. Big dude. That's uh, the younger brother of Chris Hinton. Father is a you know an all pro, incredible pedigree. Um, big time player at Stanford as well. Another Stanford, uh, transfer. So you've got, you've got Ladarius Henderson who can play a couple different positions. You've got Drake Nugent, who's a true center. And then you've got miles Hinton who can probably play a couple different spots if you needed him to. Then you've got Trent a. Jones, Carson Barnhart and Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinner. I mean, between those five, six, seven, eight dudes, I mean, find the five best and put them in there because almost all of them can play multiple positions. Keegan being back Zinter. We'll see. I feel like he's going to come back, but I could be wrong. That's not any insider information, but it's just, it's guard. It's being a guard. If he was a left tackle, that's different. He's good enough to play in the NFL right now. There's no doubt, but it's like you leave early. And I guess for what, like guard is the position you play for a long time. His draft stock probably will only go up. I don't think it's going to go down if he comes back another year, but we'll, we'll see. So then you've got, you've also got Andrew Gentry who transferred in last year and who has done some good things. Jeff Percy started Percy. some games. Yep. G.O. Hottie started some games. So now you've got these three new additions. Ladarius Henderson and Miles Hinton are absolute monsters of young men. Drake Nugent is a true center with tons of starting experience. And then you've got all these other dudes who have played for Michigan already. Like Joe Moore award three years in a row. Dare I say it back to back for the first <laughs> time ever. They're on track for it. Yeah. Unbelievable run for Sharon Moore in that group. And I mean, dude, hopefully Sharon Moore will be back. I mean, that's a, that's a whole other story. Um, but just incredible additions along the O-line with those three. I, Chris, I know you're not like the biggest recruiting fan, but dude, people were enamored and obsessed with Miles Hinton for a while there. When he, yeah, it was. I mean, and now that he's going to be at Michigan, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, the, the obviously the connection to his brother. Everybody thought that you know him coming to Michigan was was a foregone conclusion, and obviously that didn't happen. And everything sort of comes full circle, and here he yep. is arriving to Ann Arbor. But this time he's got. Uh, at least in my notes, uh, 21 games under his belt was, you know, obviously a big time contributor. He's got the experience now at, at, at the division one level. And you're bringing in a guy who can make an immediate impact versus bringing in the guy. Again, you go back to you, you'd obviously want to see Michigan's recruiting rankings higher. But when you're doing as well as they're doing in the transfer portal, and I believe they're they're the top team right now in the country in terms of landing transfer portal talent um, so far this year it's really hard to complain about that. And you're getting known commodities. You're getting guys that have already performed at a high level and they can come in and be contributors right away. And so the risk is far less than going out and recruiting a four and five star guy and hoping it pans out because we've also seen that in Ann Arbor as well, that that's not always the case. And so, you know, the hit rate isn't a hundred percent on, on transfers. Um, and, and we've got some examples of that. 
Um, and you know, we're not going to go down the list of those guys that didn't really pan out, but by and large, I think if you can bring in guys who have experience at the D one level and who have performed well, um, you do that every single time. And it seems like Harbaugh is really perfecting that process. I mean, the, the thing with offensive linemen too, is like, you can land some really good ones, uh, you know, recruiting wise, but like freshmen just don't play that much. Yeah. So like you kind of know the crop that you're going into next season with. Now you add three guys who have started a bunch of games and you have just it's like I said, it's like landing almost surefire five stars when you sign a transfer. That's the caliber of these guys. I mean, Miles Hinton played offensive line as a true freshman out west at Stanford and has obviously since started some games and all both of these other guys starters as well. You just you can't you're not going to get three guys on the recruiting trail that can start on the offensive line. And all three of these guys might be able to do that. They're look, they're not like locks. I'd say Drake Nugent has a pretty good chance of starting at center. Cause behind him is just really unproven young guys, Raheem Anderson, Greg Crippen, maybe Reese Atterbury. They just haven't played. And this guy's got more than 20 starts. So you'd think so, but the other two, I mean, dude, if all three of these guys end up coming in and are three of your best five and they start, you're you're never getting that on the recruiting trail ever. Yep. So like landing them out of the portal is as absolutely huge. And then, dude, last but not least, well, you you mentioned Josiah Stewart already. I'm I'm a little bit. We'll see with him because I think Michigan's got some really good edge guys already. Jalen Harrell, Yabioki, Braden McGregor will all be back. I don't think he's you know starts over any of them. Maybe I could be wrong. I don't know. Eric Moore. Was, I mean, we talked about Derek Moore. Moore. Yeah, right. We, he was, we've but that position is one that. And you saw it all throughout the year. It's interchangeable. You're constantly cycling guys in and out. So whether or not Josiah Stewart is able to come in and solidify himself as a starter, I don't think it matters as much because Michigan plays a lot of guys at the edge edge position. They're clearly really good at developing those guys. And again, another guy who's got a ton of experience, high motor, and can make yeah. an impact right away, especially if you run into a situation where you did this year where a Mike Morris goes down or you have an, you know, you know, Yabioki has an injury next year or whatever the case is, you can never have enough studs at that position. And just another, you know, another big get for Harbaugh. And he, th this situation reminds me kind of like a Mike Dana, you know, comes from CMU, smaller school, not the yeah. ideal elite size at the defensive end rusher position, whatever you want to call it, but situational bring him in fresh he's got speed he's got athleticism he'll probably finish next year you know i don't know four five six sacks and you, you yep. got him you know for next to nothing and again or for nothing and except for a roster spot and you, you it's really hard to know if you're going to get production like that out of a freshman i'm um, pretty sure dana went to the league playing with the chiefs oh, right I mean, now there you go so Yep. So not a bad place to be there in Ann Arbor. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. He, he, he reminds me of that. Have pretty yeah. decently recruited guy. In fact, I'm pretty sure he had a Michigan offer coming out of high school, but I don't, I don't know if it was, you know, committable or how seriously he was recruited, but he ends up at coastal Carolina as a true freshman. He blew up. I think he had double digit sacks led all freshmen in the whole country in that category. And then came back to earth a little bit last year. And now he's, you know, he'll come to Michigan and probably be a, a nice body, a depth guy, and someone who can get to the quarterback a little bit. So that's huge. And I think the biggest one out of all five of these guys, man, is the linebacker from Nebraska, Ernest Hausman. When you look at him, you see how he's put together. You look at his production. He was more productive at Nebraska than Junior Colson was at Michigan last year. I mean, that's the kind of playing time he received, the kind of snap count he was on. Freshman. Seven. 
unreal first season for a not very good team. And now he's at mission. You, now you put him next to junior Colson and maybe next to Mike Barrett. And you, I, I think he's going to be phenomenal. And again, we'll see what the defensive staff looks like. Is Jesse Minter a one and done like Mike McDonald was? I certainly hope not. We're going to get to that later in the show. That'll be up, part of the burning questions. Up and up and up and up, dude. And these five transfers, and we talked about this earlier, Chris, and this will kind of lead us into our next point. Just this whole approach to transfers in general. They're not all grand slams. I mean, we saw Alan Bowman is now on his way out. Never, never played at Michigan. Jordan Whitley, the big D tackle when we thought they needed a ton of depth there, barely got on the field, if at all. Cam Good didn't play much more than than Whitley at D tackle. So, like, it's not every guy, but they're ha- – John I mean, O'Corn. John O'Corn wasn't great, <laughs> but – There's a few we could mention. You look at Olu, Olu with Timmy. Yeah. I, I mean, they went and got an NFL guy out of the portal, and it was it made that team substantially better. Yeah, Yabi Oki real damn good is another one coming yeah. back next year that's going to make that pass rush formidable. I think Hausman can be that way. I think Drake Nugent can be that way. I don't know. He's not as athletic or as big or as league ready as Olu. I'm pretty sure he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's out at Stanford and he's played a bunch of football. That's those are two huge traits to have at center. And uh and I think I I dude, I just Every time they get a new transfer guy, I'm like, oh, he's playing. And I'm, you know, they might not all play, but when you look at all five of these guys, you see a path to them getting on the field. And I, I think if you hit on three of the five, like you're killing it. And I, I cannot yeah. see a way that Drake Nugent and Ernest Hausman do not play a lot. And then those other linemen, kind of the same deal. And we'll see on Josiah Stewart. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and somebody just alluded to it in the, uh, in the comments, Darren May, you get, you know, Ben Herbert gets his hands on those guys and, and he has a habit of transforming, you know, guys who are borderline men to like legit dudes. And so I think, you know, you get guys that are coming in, they've already got experience. They've already played at this level. You get them in a program now at the university of Michigan, where the culture is on point, everybody has buy-in they're playing at a championship level it's all good things, man. And it just, it's, it's further confirmation that it, you know, it feels like what, what Harbaugh is doing with this program is sustained success. It's not something that's going to be here for a couple of years and then fall off. Like you saw with East Lansing and in Michigan state back in 2015, I think when, uh, was it 2015 when Michigan state made the playoff, didn't score a point against Alabama and then kind of fell off and haven't really been relevant since, um, this feels like Michigan is going to be around for a while and this feels like it's for the long term. And I think they're doing it the right way. And I know there was a lot of skepticism, you know, early, you know, when, when the transfer portal became a thing, it was, well, you only go to the transfer portal if you can't recruit, like if you're not a good recruiter and you can't bring in your own guys then you got to rely on the transfer portal. But I think college football is changing in a way to where there's a lot of good talent. There's a lot of solid talent that's in the transfer portal. And it's almost like free agency. And a guy like Jim Harbaugh knows how to operate in that market. And clearly you're seeing the results of that in Ann Arbor. And it's been a pretty damn good, uh, pretty damn good haul for, uh, for Harbaugh and company out of that portal. So far there's, there's two, dare I I say it, Brandon, should I, we ain't done yet. (laughs) Should I throw that out there? Listen, I mean, for all you folks out there, if you if you ever if you want to just be like a social media insider, but not really have any inside information, but just kind of portray yourself that way, just say the phrase 
we ain't done yet. Don't give any context. Don't don't say anything beyond. Just we ain't awesome. done yet. And uh, boom, you're an insider. Awesome, great, hard hitting <laughs> stuff right there from that crowd. Um, two points that I wanted to bring up about the transfer situation in general, Chris. One is that both of these are kind of like deep divers. So I'm trying to figure out which one I want to go into. I'll go into this one first because it's just a little bit of a buzz that I've heard. I don't know it for sure. We talked about it before. President Ono um, likes sports. He's a sports guy. He's made that known. That's been known since before he got to Michigan. And I've started to hear a little bit of buzz that the whole transfer situation at Michigan is a little easier than it used to be. And that some things have been put into motion so that Michigan can shop the transfer portal and compete in a way that levels the playing field a little bit. Um, so four of the guys, not surprising. Okay. One of the big problems with Michigan transfers is that let's say you have a junior, a third year player who's one semester away from graduating. Let's say he was at, oh, I don't know, Auburn. Throw a <laughs> shitty school out there. So he was at Auburn three years in, maybe three-plus years in, comes to Michigan, takes 15 credits, and boom, I have a Michigan degree. Well, no, you don't. You have three-quarters of an Auburn degree, and now you stamp that block M on there and look like you did something. Michigan doesn't play that. They, they don't allow that to happen. So second year, third year, guys, they, they don't get into Michigan. It just doesn't happen. They've never really taken transfers like that. Graduates. So Ladarius Henderson, Drake mm -hmm. Nugent. I believe Miles Hinton is also a graduate. If I'm not mistaken, those guys, not surprising. They get in, they've got an undergrad degree already. They can work towards their masters or whatever it is they're doing. And Michigan's all good with that. Um, Ernest Hausman was a true freshman last year. So if he comes to Michigan for the next three to four that's a real Michigan degree. Sure, he was at Nebraska for a year, but he finishes his education at Michigan mostly, and they have no problem with that. The one guy that makes that kind of makes you think like something's changed a little bit is Josiah Stewart. No knock on Coastal Carolina, but that degree is not worth what a Michigan degree is. The fact that he's getting in, that just didn't see that in the past. It was like true freshmen or grad transfers, and that was pretty much it. There wasn't much gray area. We I've heard that there's a little bit of some stuff in motion now with the new president, maybe pulling the reins back just a little bit. They're still not going to take just anybody and everybody, but it kind of feels like the playing field has been leveled just a little bit with the transfer portal. And I think these five guys, again, four of them, I think would have been able to get in at any time, but just the fact that it's like so prominent and Josiah Stewart specifically kind of makes it feel like something's that changes a coming. Chris, how do you feel about that? Well, I feel good. And I feel like over the last couple of years, uh, Michigan has started to modernize their approach in terms of the way that they recruit and the way that they look at athletics as a whole. And, you know, some of the NIL stuff, I think, you know, things are starting to come around, although they're not anywhere near where they need to be. And I think uh, as much modernization as can be done in that athletic program needs to happen. And if president Ono is going to be a driving force behind that, I am, I am all for it because you, you see the results in, you know, the 2020 versus 2021. What did Michigan do? They went out and they got a younger staff. 
they started doing little things like playing music at practice and they, they you know they were just little changes and, and i remember saying this to you specifically brandon that all the little changes that they were making didn't really seem like a big deal but when you add them all up together I think it, I thought it was going to make a big impact and it turns out it, it completely changed the culture at the university of Michigan. And so they got younger, more forward thinking. Um, and I think that if they can continue to modernize, um, the athletic department over there, it's only going to do good things for the university of Michigan. Fun fact. I agree with you, by the way, all those that we talked about, it's not at now, if, if they change some of the admission rules, that's big. That like that's yeah. a big change. But some of the other stuff we talked about before, you combine them all up, and it it changed the culture, it changed the drive, the mentality, the approach, all of that stuff. Y yeah, you see it. I mean, it's it's we said it before, man. You I mean, dude, there on. is a noticeable difference it's from very noticeable to twenty, and it's yes. not just the record. It's not just the results. It's the way the guys are with each other. It's you can feel the brotherhood when you're around the the program. That that wasn't there prior to twenty twenty one and. Um, they, they had to put in a lot of work to make that happen. Fletch, this is a good question and I have no idea. I haven't heard enough details or even buzz or even rumor mill or anything, but it just has a different feel right now. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's because there's a new president in there and he's a little bit more plugged into what it takes to, to compete in the transfer portal. I mean, like that's, there's, a, everybody's going shopping in there, man. There's some building block championship type pieces that you can get out of there. And for a long time, Michigan wasn't even able to, to, to do that. And so I have no idea if there's going to be some, like, you can come, but you got to do that. I don't know. I, I'd be lying to you if I said I knew anything about that. It's not a crazy idea. I just, I haven't heard anything. And I don't know if that's even something that's like possible with the way Michigan structures their classes or, you know, their, their semesters or whatever. My fun fact for you, Chris, Ooh. can you name the current Michigan player who went to the same high school as Josiah Stewart. It's a very prominent Michigan player. It's going to be tough it. because it doesn't really add up. Yeah, I have no idea. So Josiah Stewart, Coastal Carolina, you're probably thinking, ah, ACC country, SEC. No, no. Everett, Massachusetts, just like one Mike Sainristil. Wow. Okay. How about that? I like two that. years apart. Two years like apart. That. So I don't know if they played okay. together or not, but... And that that that's why Josiah Stewart was recruited. Don Brown, sure. Massachusetts, uh, like you know, edge guys under recruited probably shouldn't have had a Michigan offer if we're being honest with ourselves, but he did. I don't know if he was recruited all that much, but there you go. Anyway, so that's pretty cool. He did have a Michigan offer, may or may not have been committable, but who cares? He's there now, productive at Coastal, and will be part of Michigan's roster moving forward. All right. So the other part, Chris, about this is. I just think there's so many layers to this. I don't know how long we can talk about it or how long we want to talk about it, but it, it feels like, and there's probably other teams around the country doing it a little differently now too. Everybody is, everybody's adapting to early signing period, NIL transfer portal, like all that stuff, uh, COVID year, like roster management right now in college football is so different than it used to be even five years ago when I was covering recruiting. Like it's not even close. I I really feel like, and maybe it's the NFL background, I don't know, but I feel like Jim Harbaugh is playing chess right now a little bit while some other schools are still playing checkers. Like going out and finding three to five to seven guys who are men, 21, 22, 23 years old, have played and can plug right into your roster now 
as opposed to landing them on the recruiting trail and hoping they pan out when especially like, so when I used to be at the Wolverine and I was working with guys who covered recruiting and worked around Bo Schembechler and covered all this stuff for a really long time, even Bo used to have like a thirds rule when it came to recruiting. You hope a third of the guys come become major contributors. You hope a third stick it out and kind of become depth bodies on your roster. And a third, they, they either leave or they never they, they get injured or whatever. They don't pan out for any one reason. So third, third, third. Now it's it's skewed even more. Like more guys are leaving than ever after one year. There's no sticking it out. Jim Harbaugh is finding guys who fit his mold, who fit the culture, who love ball, who want to be at Michigan, and then supplementing it with playable guys in the portal that can come in and be contributors on the team right now. And I don't know if other teams are doing it quite that way, but it, it's it's clear to me that what Jim Harbaugh is doing is working in a major way. Well, it is and I, working. And, and, and you, I, I want to say one more thing. This is yeah. not... They're not recruiting as well as they think as I think they should in 2023. This well, is not me like sure. going to bat and saying like, well, let's let's not worry about that recruiting class because of this. You'd like to have them both more talent recruiting, more pluggable players in the transfer portal. But 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 I do think there's something to not putting so many eggs in your recruiting basket when you can do it through the portal the way that Jim Harbaugh is. Yeah, and and I would say winning on the football field certainly helps in that effort when you're when you're going into the transfer portal and trying to convince people why, you know, they should come to Michigan when your offensive line is now the two-time Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, easy to convince guys like that as to why they should come. It's an NFL factory. So, you know, prior to that 2021, I mean, look at the guys who really changed the culture in 2021. And as much as I hate to say it, I got to grip my teeth. Cade McNamara was a part of that, not a transfer. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo. I mean, these were guys that were recruited by Michigan. Uh, Mike Sainer, you know, those types of guys who just determined that they were going to change things at Michigan. And now that the Wolverines are rolling, back-to-back Big Ten champions, back-to-back uh, -back appearances in the college football playoff, I think it's a lot easier for Harbaugh to go out and and sell guys on that brand because now there's a track record of success and people can see it. And so, yeah, I think that you know his NFL background, the way that, that he operates just as a person, and then when you combine that with the on-field success of the program, we've talked about this before. There should be, if you are a tight end, a running back, an edge rusher, you know, you go down the line, there is every incentive in the world, unless you just don't like to play school, there's every incentive in the world for you to want to go to the University of Michigan with what they've got going on right now. And it seems like, the, you know, the momentum is rolling and the coaching staff is doing a hell of a job on, on keeping it going. So um, I think it's a lot of contributing factors. But yeah, I certainly think Jim Harbaugh is um, really good at identifying talent in the transfer portal. He knows what he wants. You know, he talked about it a little bit in a press conference uh, a few weeks back when, you know, somebody asked, like, how do you evaluate talent? And, he, you know, he went on this long spiel about, you know, he can tell when a coach sits back in his chair, when a coach sits forward in his right. chair, and he's looking for guys that, you know, not necessarily the star ranking. He's not really interested in that. He wants guys that want to be good at football and want to play football and are culture guys and are going to be a fit within the program. And I think that formula is proven to work. And so, 
yeah, while people are starting, you know, have been freaking out about, well, why isn't Michigan higher in the recruiting rankings? And why are they, you know, I think last time I checked, they were what, 19th or 15th nationally. They're, they're, yeah. they're third in the conference. So it's not awful, but given, you know, all the success they've had, you would expect it to be better. I don't think it matters because I think Jim Harbaugh knows what he's looking for. He's, he's found what works inside of that locker room. And now it's just pick and plug and play and make sure you're getting the right guys that fit that mold. And if you can continue to do that, you can continue, hopefully the success that they've seen over the last two years. And so I think it's a, a combination of a lot of things, but I ultimately, this is why everybody was excited back in 2014 when it was announced that Harbaugh was coming back because we all anticipated that Michigan would be in this position. Granted, it took longer and was more painful than we all thought it would be to get here. But now that we're here, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by Isn't any means, fun to just watch it work. I mean, yeah. it almost, it's hard to believe that Michigan is just, you know, get used to it year in and year out, a legitimate national championship contender. I mean, that's where this program is at right now. When you look at where they're at now, obviously going to play TCU in the semifinal, but then what they've done and in, in stacking the deck already for next year and who's coming back and an experienced J.J. McCarthy, experienced Donovan Edwards, what they have with the offensive line. you got Will Johnson out there at corner. You've got you Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant. You've got guys all over the field that are impact players with a lot of reps under their belt, and I just think this program is going to continue to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by any means necessary is what I was going to say. New coordinators. Cool. New Whatever. quarterback. Cool. New old line coach. Cool. couple, you know, plug and play. You lose this. Oh, Joe Mord winning a line uh, offensive line. Yeah, let's do it again to answer a question up there. Yes. Michigan is the first ever back-to-back -back winners of that award. Now it is um, a relatively new, they only started. Yeah, they have been doing it a hundred right? years. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not as old as, you know, the, I don't know the Bednarik or the Nagurski or the, you know, Jim Thorpe or any of these other ones, but it's, it's still, it's, they've, they're the first to repeat. And be, the reason is offensive line is an upperclassman driven position group. So you, you rarely have the same group year to year and Michigan did not have the same group, but it didn't matter. That's a testament matter. to, you know, finding Olu and coaching them up and getting the right five out there. And really, a testament to some younger dudes stepping in and playing their ass off when some of the other guys were hurt. No I doubt. mean, Gio Hadi played a lot of snaps this year for the first time ever and was really good. I mean, I don't remember ever thinking like, man, he he sucked this game. Like, I, I don't, I don't remember ever saying that. It's a little harder to see at guard than maybe at tackle, but still, they took a picture. It was, of course, the five starters, and Gio was in there, and Jeff Percy was in there. You know, some of the guys who also earned a start. Um, Trent A. Jones and Barn Carson Barnhart split some starts at right tackle. So you had, what was it? Eight guys, I think play really meaningful snaps there. And you're going to get probably five or six of them back four or five of them back. Olu obviously gone. Ryan Hayes gone. And then we'll see. We'll see on, on Zach Zinner again, guard, not typically an early entry position, but he's pretty damn good. So well, we'll and, see and how, then, that, how you know, that pans out. You get a guy like Eric all that goes down and everybody was anticipating. He yeah. Was have a huge year and Luke Schoonmaker steps up. And I think if, if the numbers in front of me are correctly third leading receiver on the team this year, Luke Schoonmaker. So, I mean, again, across the board, when, when somebody else, when it was, I mean, next man up seems like such a cliche thing, but within this program, 
it's a legit deal. It's it's next man up. Somebody goes down. They've got somebody that's ready to go and plug and play. Even Percy got some some valuable snaps this year. I just I think they are finally where everybody hoped this program would be when Jim Harbaugh was hired. And like I said, I think the success that they've they've uh, they've achieved over the last couple of years is something that is it, it's long term. It's going to be around for a while. Now, is it going to be Saban esque? Is it is Michigan going to go on a you know this incredible run and become like the next Bama, the next Ohio State? Even I don't know that that's the case because I certainly don't think Ohio State is going to go anywhere, and that's always going to be you know a tough out. But at the end of the day. This is a far different Michigan football program than what it was prior to 2021, you know, going back to that 2015 to 2020. It just this, light years away from where they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I'm not, I don't run from what I said. I wanted Harbaugh so canned in 2020. So canned. <laughs> I mean, I would have, if it would have been up to me, it would have been done in a, in a moment, in a moment. Yeah. He, he got more time. If you could have pushed the button to send him to the done. moon, you would have pushed it. Blast him off. And I was not alone. And it was justified. Now, machine. It, it is yeah. humming along like a machine. And I'm, I'm not afraid to say that either. Like, it's amazing how it's turned around. I don't think many people thought that it was going to at that point. But, dude, the hires, he's gotten the hires right. He's brought the right people in, the right guys in. The right players have stepped up. He's you know, swum, he's swum, swam, he's swimming, he's swimming upstream a little bit in his Swamst? philosophy, philosophy. <laughs> is this the episode where we we're going to try to do all no, the no. words? No, no, he swum, he's swimming upstream in a philosophical way. And, uh, you know, this offense is not what offense looks like in college football, but it's crushing people. It's like, he's, he's just, He's doing things a little differently, man. And if you if you know Jim Harbaugh, you shouldn't be surprised by that. But it's working. And I just did not think it was going to work after 2020. I didn't. And I think, yeah. you know, I think it was there was a lot of reasons for that. Chris, talk about Wolverine State Brewing Company for a moment. Well, I, I absolutely love the place. Um, obviously, I'm fond of the drink, uh, fond of the macaroni and cheese topped with pulled pork. Um, again, we say the same thing every time we talk about them. It's just... It's a great establishment. They've got, um, you know, I, as you can see on the picture, it's a wide selection of beers. They've got great food there. But the the thing that keeps me coming back, and I'm always excited to walk in the door, is it feels like family. They just have a great crew of people um, that that work there in Ann Arbor, and uh, couldn't be more proud to be partnered with them for the uh, the 2022 season. You know, and and hope to continue that partnership into next year. But it has just been a pleasure, man. Those guys over there. They know their shit. They know how to make good beer. They know how to make good food. They play good music, good vibes. And when you go in there after a game, you usually run into a player or two. You'll see players' families in there. It's just a really cool place to to hang out. And the 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 beauty of it is, is it's sort of off the beaten path. It's not right downtown Ann Arbor. It's kind of tucked away in its own little spot. There's parking. There's outdoor seating. Um, and you just kind of feel like you got your own little area to hang out and party and have a good time, man. So I'm, I'm always, always happy to make a stop at Wolverine state brewing company. Shout out to Nate dog. Can't beat Nate him. He's dog. A, he's a Spartan fan, but we he won't is. hold that against him. He is, but listen, he also kept us stocked full of beer all year, brought out food for the Penn state tailgate for the Michigan yeah. state tailgate. Um, you know, hooked us up with the bags. I mean, every, everything we needed, 
you know, those guys were more than happy to oblige. And so again, couldn't be happier to, uh, to partner with them and, and let a dink like me have my own private label wow. beer for a little while there, which was just an incredible experience. And again, hope to do all those things again. Yeah. I mean, I'll, you know, I'd sign the papers right now. I don't know if they like us, but we like them. So that's, that's been awesome. And we'll, uh, we'll continue to plug them as long as we can, man. Been great all year. Real quick, three uh, commitments also on the recruiting trail. Actually, four. A 2025 DB committed from Florida, by the way. Chris Ewald. That's so far down the line, but the kid's a stud. He's a top 100 kid. Not going to spend a lot of time on that. But the three guys from the 2023 class, about, I don't know what the date was, three, four, five days ago, whatever. Roderick Pierce, the big D tackle from the Chicago area. Uh, listed as a four star on most recruiting services. That's that's bumped up over the year. He's, he was a lower rated recruit earlier on, but six three two ninety. Been a big time target for Michigan. He's reeled in a couple big offers as of late, so that's a nice get. DJ Waller, um, you know DB safety, maybe a linebacker at some point. I mean, he's six three one ninety right now, and he's listed as a corner. I and he's not the he's not the smoothest athlete in the world. I wonder if it's like jumbo box safety or maybe even like an outside linebacker type at some point. We'll see. But, you know, big kid, athletic, rangy, can do a different, a lot of different things. And then Hayden Moore, um, I mean, they stole him from Nebraska. You got to love that, right? Got to love it. Flips from Nebraska. He was, in, uh, he was in Ann Arbor over the weekend. I think he decommitted yesterday or the day before and committed today. I mean, um, uh, listen, Nebraska, you know, Ann Arbor. Right, right, right. The two programs. I mean, Matt Rule. I like Matt Rule. We'll see. But like again, there's a like Matt Rule didn't recruit recruit him. So like you know, you see this during coaching carousel season. Guys will often you know open things back up and check stuff out. And I mean, here here's a good example. He's in, he's listed as an inside linebacker. He's got like maybe 15 pounds on DJ Waller, who's listed as a yep. corner. Six go. three two ten versus six three one ninety one ninety five. So anyway. Um, those are the three commitments over the last couple of days. And Chris, not a Michigan deal, but how about Dante Moore flipping from Oregon to UCLA thoughts? We had some thoughts on this. Did we not? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Well, this again, it's why I just don't give a shit. I don't care when these guys make these big elaborate announcements. I'm going to go here. I'm going to be here because it, it, with the way recruiting is today, it's all fluid. It all changes. It's all bullshit. And until they sign their national letter of intent, until the actual signature is on paper, and even sometimes then, until they're on campus and they're in the uniform and they're playing, like I really don't care. And and that's what it comes down to. And I think, you know, watching the way that Michigan has been able to take in guys that are three star guys, and I mean, you, you know, we we've gone down the list of all you, you know you can name those players. The way that they're developing guys in house. It just recruiting to me doesn't matter as much now as maybe it did three, four years ago. I just, I don't put much stock into it. And I think a lot of these guys, they commit early, they make these big social media announcements, they try to garner as much attention as they can, and they still take their visits. And then, you know, you never know when they're going to end up. And so, Dante Moore, uh, back in the Big Ten, though, which is interesting. Um, and in uh, Michigan, I guess we'll get a shot wow. to, to play well. against him, get, get to play against him. I know for a while they thought they're in, uh, in East Lansing, maybe Dante Moore was going to come back to the great state of Michigan. Doesn't look like that's happening. Yeah, Dante Moore's coming uh, just as much as uh, Tuck is, right? I mean, he's not coming. He's, he's not coming. He's not, not coming. Not coming. 
Uh, and then the last little development, I saw some people talking about it on the on the comments earlier. Yeah, Bo, Bo Nix returning to Oregon probably put a little wrench into Dante Moore's plans. Yeah, that's certainly part of it. Um, Jair Hill, big-time cornerback out of Illinois. I mean, if you read some of the updates from I, – I feel sorry for some people who pay for premium recruiting information because they've been telling you – that he was slurping Michigan all year. Michigan's his leader. He's going to pick Michigan, whatever, whatever. He just put out his top five. He's committing in a few days, and Michigan didn't even make the cut. So, well, yeah. There's some people that are. There's some people. Wait, is is this the dude that put? What were the? What were his final schools? There's five on there, right? Purdue, could he be, Purdue, Illinois, Kentucky, Missouri, Florida. Could he be pulling a fast one and he picks Michigan? There still? seems to be a school of thought out there that this is all one. And, and again, this if is that, why if that's I true. That's, this, that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard of and seen. <laughs> like I used to cover recruiting. It's tough to get information that you can trust, to get information that's legitimate because they can, I mean, these kids can tell you one thing that they mean, and the next day they Listen, don't mean it anymore. There are people that truly believe he's going to have those five hats out on the table, and he's going to look at them, and he's going to reach under the table and pull out that big block M hat and put it on his head, and that it's all a ruse. And so, you know, follow recruiting if you want. Uh, it just, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care yeah. enough at this point. It's annoying. Well, if that is what happens, then he will be next week's TFG. I'll put that out there. Even if he picks Michigan, I'm still putting him on there because that's just dumb. That's well, I'm going to, I'm going to zip it up right there. I don't need to go into much more detail. Well, I'm not saying that that's what's actually happening. I'm no, I know there is a, there is a growing number of people out there that are saying, keep your eye on that one. Watch yeah, this right. kid. All right. Speaking out. of, Oh no. Speaking of, I can, well, I, I guess I can do a quick switch back and hopefully it doesn't throw you over there, Chris, but it's time, brother. This f***ing guy. DFG? You got one at the ready? This f***ing guy. I do have one at the ready and it's a little bit random, um, but you know, the obviously the World Cup is going on right now with soccer. This and, uh, guy. You saw, I think, is it Lionel Messi? Is that how you say his name? They're celebrating after the big win. I think it was, who is it, Argentina? Is that who he plays for? I think it's Lionel, Chris. Lionel? Okay, listen. First of all, full disclosure, I don't know shit about soccer, okay? Full disclosure. My son just started playing soccer, so my, my soccer knowledge is the extent of me watching eight-year-olds go out and play on Saturdays. That being said, have you, have you ever heard of this guy, this, uh, this Salt Bay, they call him? I mean, this dude is out like trying to wrangle the, the trophy away from the players. He's like sprinkling salt onto the trophy. Messi like looked at him like, who the fuck is this guy? Why are you pulling on me? That's all I could think of when I saw the clips come out. I'm like, this guy has uh, gone wait, from wait. Like, pouring salt on meat to like thinking he just he can just grab and touch anybody and be anywhere. That's incredible. Dude, that dude that has dude posted. Oh, dude, I got an echo right now. See, is it you now? Oh. I don't have it. I don't have it. I'm good. That guy has hosted Messi at his restaurant before and treated him like a king. And then Messi what? pulled that shit on the. I, Listen, I, it I, doesn't matter. That oh, guy, oh, that guy, cool. that guy needs to just take a damn step back. 
all I, you know, he got famous for putting salt on meats and like slapping meats and being weird with meats. Just like, you know, back off. You're not part of the damn team. You don't need to be holding the trophy. And you sure as hell don't need to be sprinkling salt all over the trophy. For that reason, he's my TFG. Salt Bay. This guy. You know who I'm going to go with? I've never liked him. I wish he would retire. Didn't like him when he was in college. Are you talking about somebody in the Michigan Athletics Department? No, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, but no. Um, my Chippewas almost got his ass back in the day. Matt Ryan. Ooh. Matty Ice needs to go somewhere and chill. He's now responsible for the biggest upset or biggest comeback loss in Super Bowl history and NFL history. First of all, I can't even believe the Colts could score 33 points. If you've watched them all year, they've been inadequate, inept at best. 33 to nothing, dude, and they lost to the yeah. Vikings. Yep. Not only was that a horrible loss, I was still holding out hope that my Lions could win the NFC North. And by losing that game, the Colts blew it for me. Wow. Lions got to win. I'm happy. It's great. But Matt Ryan, bro. This f***ing guy. It's time to hang it up. <laughs> he looks like uh, he looks like a mic stand, dude. His, his ankles are spatted so big. And then his long-ass skinny legs, and he can't even run. Like, yeah, Central almost got his ass in Mount Pleasant when he played for Boston College. They came up there, and he, he was you like... Just take it easy on Matty Ice, okay? Take it easy. I Those can't. aren't... That's not, you know... That's a difficult thing to be just, associated with. Just forever needs chapstick. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> Come on, dude. Get it together, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> And like shame on the Colts organization for thinking that he was like gonna be the answer. Yeah. I, no, no. They tried it first with Philip Rivers and then they did it with a worse guy with Matt Ryan. I just I can't I can't get Oh my god, that's I should have picked Jacoby Myers. That was the biggest TFD moment this I've ever seen. Guy. Uh, you know, and I felt bad for him because I watched the post game and I saw the emotion on his face and I think yeah. You know, sometimes you get into the moment and you're just trying to make a damn play. You know, like you lose all senses and you're just, you're an athlete out there and you're doing things. But at at the professional level, there's just no excuse for, you know, but who am I? Look at me. Here I am sitting in my basement talking on podcast equipment about a play that an NFL guy made. But my goodness, was that a uh, one of well, the worst plays I've ever seen and one of the most incredible finishes to a football game I've ever seen. Actually, it gave me trouble with the snap vibes like i feel like if if i was on the you know if i was a patriot fan like that's you know that's kind of the you know the vibes i was getting from that man that's it's just tough to come to terms with losing a game like that yeah yeah i mean that's a hard way to go out man he, they the whole team they acted like they were losing like no yeah it was weird got overtime like yeah you don't you don't do that at that moment so Yes. Yeah, listen, listen, Brandon, if you don't do those things sometimes, then some of those incredible plays yeah, that you see over the stretch, you know, that that just they go back and they replay them over and over and over. You don't get that. And so, you know, there's an element to that, to trying to win a game and, and thinking, you know, maybe you've got a chance to do something. But man, that was a how many yards did he throw that backwards? It was like a 25 yard pass back to the quarterback. <laughs> Chandler Jones just 
shoves Mac Jones into the turf. Somebody somebody put up that that meme of a horse running over a woman on the track and said that's what it looked like. I mean, dude, just a just a debacle. Well, and credit to Jones for saying, like, look, man, I got to make that tackle. I have to make that tackle. You know, like he was trying to burn as much of it as much of it as he as he could, put it on his shoulders, but. Uh... How about the how about in 2022 the Lions are getting clutch road dubs and the Patriots are doing that shit? Well, wow. Know, I would just listen. I don't want to be one of those guys, Brandon. I don't want to be one of those guys, but I would just pump the brakes a little bit on the Lion excitement. Bite your tongue. Just pump the brakes a little bit. MCD unless you're open to getting your heart broken again. MCD in which case the Lions rolling. Motor City Dan Campbell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> dude's all time i was a little concerned for a while there but i'm all in i am okay. all in on the okay. dan campbell train at this point dad's still off the train oh he watches every week <laughs> he just doesn't do it with lion's gear on it he just doesn't dress up okay yeah yeah my dad wants to give up on the lions so of course when i get there this past weekend he pulls up multiple interviews of the lion stuff for me to watch i'm like yeah you look like you've really yeah, given up you've on really given up yeah no, you can't. You can't. We talked about this before. You you can't change fandom. It's impossible. Anybody who ever says that they've done it is just they're not even they're not even true. It's fandom. in your DNA. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I feel like you just yeah. Yep. I have other teams that I like a little bit more than the average team, but nobody's ever gonna overtake my Lions and the Pistons. I don't, I'm not huge into baseball and hockey, so like, while I want the Wings and the Tigers to do well, like I just didn't grow up. Being now, are you player. still grooming your son to be a Buffalo Bills fan, or are you, you know, ready to to bring him into the uh, the Honolulu Blue light, as it were? Are you ready to to bring him in? Like, let me ask you that: Are you that confident in what Detroit's doing that you're willing to set no, your son up no, 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 for potentially no. years of heartbreak? Okay, all right. I'm not there you'd be an ass to be there. I mean, you'd be, you'd be fighting 80 years of history and the entire Ford <laughs> enterprise. No, I'm not doing that, but, uh, he, I'm, I'm, we'll see the verdict's still out as how I would put it. He has, he has, uh, Bill's apparel and he's, he's now really, really uh, understanding and identifying all things Michigan and go blue. Yep. Hasn't really started messing with the NFL stuff yet. So we'll we'll leave that alone for a little bit. For just a little bit. So we'll we'll see. What is Sully's not your your Sully's not really into football that much, right? Like soccer's kind of his first big sports endeavor, and he's really into that right now, right? Really yeah. into soccer you're right not, now. You're not, you're not much of an NFL guy anyway. So no, I mean, no I hard. watch it, yeah, I watch it here and there, but for you know, for me it's college football. That's that's kind of what I you know, I, hell man, college football used to be my life until actually I started this job. And then it's like, you don't even really get to watch the other games. It's just all Michigan all the time. And, uh, everybody in my household and everybody around me knows it's, it's go blue. It's Michigan. That's, that's just the deal. And so, you know, whether you like it or not, and I can tell you this, it's a lot easier now that they're winning because my son, I mean, he's eight years old now you know, for a good chunk of his life there, all he saw was me like heartbroken at the end of the year and upset and swearing at the TV and, and, you know, dejected. And now it's like a totally different vibe and, you know, making plans for championships and college football playoffs. <laughs> yeah. And 
you know, so he knows that Michigan's legit now, and uh, I'm excited for him to experience that. And what's you up? We got media escapes in the house. What's up, Richie? Good to have you here. You want the real truth? The boss of the family has chimed in. One Don Brown texted me and said, your dad is still 100% sucked in after 54 years of watching the Lions lose. So there you go. That's that's You want the truth? You go to mama. There it is. There She's it got is. it. She's got it figured so out. Burning the underwear was just an act. It was all an act. It was all, all a ploy. Just a desperate ploy to try. I I don't I don't I believe he wants to be lions free, but you you can't. You just can't. Yeah. Well, you I will know, say this. When they actually are legitimately good, I'll hop on that bandwagon. Look at I was just gonna, I'll be right know, on that bandwagon. If someone came to me and said, I have a magic button, you can switch off your lions fandom and change it to someone else, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I can't do that. For my team, dude. I identify with being a Lions fan, and I don't want anyone else. I hear you, man. I hear you. It can be hard to leave an abusive relationship, Chris. That's how I feel about Michigan. I don't think I could ever leave it. So there it is. All right. Uh, Did we have another? We had another. Oh, while the, uh, yes, while we just mentioned Rich. And while the uh, while the soundboard is still currently functioning properly, let's hear from our guy, Richie Rich. Let's do it. Hey, this is Rich from Mediascapes located in Burton. Let me fill you in a little bit about our business. We are a full-service sign and graphic company from banners, yard signs, to vehicle wraps. When it comes to marketing your business, we also provide video and photography services as well as apparel and promotional items. If it's something that will make your business or organization stand out, we do it. And I guarantee we do it well. We are Mediascapes on Dora Highway, south of Bristol Road, just before Rock Bottom. Check out our work at Mediascapes.com. That's Mediascapes with a K.com. Mediascapes with a K.com, Chris. Rich, thank yes, you sir. for everything throughout the course of the year. Um, that beautiful, that beautiful RV, man. <laughs> oh, it, and now I'm starting to get feedback. It's okay. already happening. Here's what we'll do. Chris can exit for a moment. We'll go back to the comments. I will switch the soundboard back off. Maybe when you switch it off, though, the feedback goes off. I think it'll just go away. Let's try yeah. it. Check, 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 check. How check, you feel? Check, check, check. Good. We're perfect. There you go. All right. So that that does seem to be a little bit of a fix there. Hopefully we can iron that uh, iron that problem out and uh, get the soundboard back because it's fun. It's fun to have it. There's no doubt. It's not the meat and potatoes of the show, but it's a it's a little sprinkling of some side dishes. I, I do like being able to go to the that's that's your big boy and torso and pull it out. We we got some good ones on there. Tim Allen. I mean, we barely even got to use him. And it's the holiday season too. Now I can't do the dollar the chime when we get our donations, but thank you. Um the world is your canvas. Should you want a Rosie that can travel with your dreams, then so shall it be. For uh, all right, I, th- <laughs> you just philosophical on on an RV. All right, we'll take it. Thank you for the donation. Uh, Follow your dreams. I think is what the okay. uh, fair the, enough the message uh, there was. Just follow your dreams. Whatever's in your heart. If you want to buy an RV and travel the country and and root on the Wolverines, then goddamn it, go do that. I just, just went to hit it, the man. button. No, no sound. No, no music for burning questions. No cockles on fire. Oh my god! It's a, yeah. it's tough, dude. It it's hurts. tough. It but hurts. we do have, we do have burning questions. Are you ready? 
I am ready, as ready as I'll ever be. You want me to get it going, or do you? I'll want actually to- get it going because I think my first question plays on plays well on what we were just talking about. So, okay. so, so I'll dive into it, Brandon. Now, this is at the collegiate level only. So, so professional teams out. Okay. If you were not a Michigan football fan, let's say the Michigan football program did not exist, what would be your team? What would be your college team? Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take CMU off the table too. That's well, my alma mater. That's my alma mater. Like they haven't been real good at things for. You know, they were actually quite good at both football and basketball when I was there, which was a lot of fun. They had Chris Kamen, who was a top five or six NBA draft pick, played in the league for a long, looked scary as hell, but was real good. And then uh, Dan LaFever. Anybody remembers the Fever, dude? Yeah, yeah. And Central was pretty good at football too. And um. But if they were off the table, dude, I think it's Oregon. I've always Oregon. used I've always used Oregon in the video games because the uniforms, they always had mobile quarterbacks. The offense was fun. The stadium is nice. Autzen always had that alternating striped feel. It just worked well on a video game. And because of that, I used them a lot. So I think I would go Oregon. All right, this one's a little bit weird. I don't know if it's a, if it's out of left field, but for me, there's always been something, and and they have not been good for a while. I admit that. I get it, but there's always been something about Florida State for me. Well, yeah, Dope Campbell, the oh that that whole chant, the you know the the, the axes on the uh, on the, on the helmets, the little, just all of that, dude. The, the spears going up the side. If Michigan weren't a part of the college football world, I think I might be a Florida state Seminole. I just like were about it. I mean, they were obviously super dominant when we were coming dominant up. Back you know in I mean? the day. Yeah, yeah. I will say if I had a list of like five or 10 all time favorite college players, Warwick Dunn is on that list. And I was go. obsessed with him yeah. little back, super fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, yeah, Florida state's in that mix for me, but it, it, Oregon was the first one that came to mind. I would probably have to go with that. It was funny. I, Chris, I didn't even tell you this, but I did a, I'll have something on the website from this, but I talked to somebody from the TCU fan nation site earlier today, get a little di- deep dive into the Horn frogs. You mentioned how much you love their uniforms, but going back to all those years of playing NC dub, yeah. I would always pick either Oregon. I picked TCU a lot because they there wore purple, had yeah. a lot of cool uniforms. And I also picked West Virginia. I, I think it was dude. Rich Rod, bro. Rich Rod. The offense. You got a little, got a little Rich Rod love in you. I, I am a Rich Rod more fan. Than a little. Wow. Rich Rod fan yeah. right you here. This guy. You heard it there. But, dude, you go back to when he had, like, Pat White, who was, like, faster than 95% yeah. of the running backs. That was unfair on yep. a video game. Pat yeah. White, Steve Slayton. Yeah. Then, yeah. It's just those are the. Then they had. One of the early editions of the Xbox version of that game had like the smoke gray West Virginia uniform. They were yeah. so sick. Texas Tech would be a, a close second for me. I yeah, always Texas go there, Tech and they had, they always had great uniform combinations. It was always five wide, spread it out, sling it. You know, you Get know it. how guys like us lo- love to throw <laughs> the ball seventy five times a game, right? So Texas Tech was a natural fit. Dude, do the fake pitch with Pat White gone, dude. Five up the sideline, <laughs> never catching him, dude. All right. Chris, this is a weird question. I'm just going to throw it to you. I said I talked to the TCU person earlier today, so this guy was heavy in conversation. We talked about his red hair. We talked about his sausage skin. We talked about it all. 
How much do you like Max Duggan? I realize he's on the other sideline. JJ's yeah. your guy. Everybody at Michigan loves JJ, loves number nine. But how much do you like a guy like Max Duggan? I like him a lot. I like him a lot, and and all I can all I can do is base that on what I saw from him against Kansas State. And, and yeah. when you see a guy empty the tank the way he did and give every single ounce of energy, put his body on the line. I mean, I just I gained a ton of respect for him. Unfortunately, they got to play Michigan in the college football semifinal, and so I hope that he gets destroyed by the Michigan defense. <laughs> but outside of that, um, I respect him. I know he's declared for the NFL, and I wish him the best of luck and. Dude, I, I mean, you know, I don't want to give him too much credit, but like a, a that Tebow-esque type of like heart and determination and grit and just whatever it takes to get the damn job done, he seems to have that in him. And I do think because of that, um, you know, we all seem to think Michigan is going to win. We're pretty, you know, we feel pretty confident in that. But I do think Duggan has the, you know, the talent and the license to give Michigan some fits and maybe make it closer than than most Wolverines would hope. Chris, I didn't realize this. Talking to the TCU insider today. Let, let me know if you knew this. So Duggan was the starter in 2019, 2020, 2021. And then there was a battle this year. And he did not win the job. Another guy was the starting quarterback to start this season for TCU. And he got hurt. And that's the only reason Duggan ended up being the guy. I had wow. no idea that that happened this year. Again, comes back to... Yeah, comes back to the fact that we're covering Michigan. You know, TCU certainly isn't a team that I try to watch. Even if I had my Saturdays open, I don't know if I would have watched TCU all year. Maybe towards the end as they were winning and doing things, but like I didn't even I didn't even know that it went that way. And he ends up being a Heisman runner up and now you know undefeated until the last game and playing in the playoff. Pretty crazy. So I like the guy. I like how he plays. We had a long talk about the not using him on that final need us touched I'm like what why what was Sonny Dykes doing and they you know back and forth discussion on whether it was the head coach or the OC or why or why not so anyway I like Duggan but I, I don't know I don't think he's got what it takes against Michigan I don't all right Brandon these are burning questions right they're meant to keep the cockles warm if I'm not mistaken is that correct Ooh. So I'm going to ask you a, a bit of a warm question here, but you, warm can, it up, you, Chris. you can take this one of two ways. You can take this one of two ways. So which player in the Harbaugh era did you get it wrong on? They either mm. turned out to be much better than you thought they were going to be initially, or they just didn't pan out the way that you thought. What player sticks out in your mind that way? Man. I'm just combing. Well, I mean, the first one I thought of the first one I thought of was Alan Bowman. I really thought he was like going to have a shot to play. And we he, were talking about him potentially being the starter going into what the 2020, what, what was it? 2021 two seasons ago. Yeah. yeah. Didn't yeah. even get a whiff, not a whiff dude, barely held the clipboard. I mean, we you know, when they would, when they would empty the bench out, he wasn't even the, you know, the guy to go in. I, I just, you know, when you read about what he did at, at, at Texas Tech and how much he played and how many starts he had and some of the numbers he put up, I was like, bro, he's more established than anybody on the roster. He's going to have a shot. Yeah, how about Joe Milton, dude? Good <laughs> Lord. It, well, damn it, Matt Kirby, you stole my thunder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he would certainly be in that discussion. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there. you know, it, it goes that way in, in, in both directions, like you thought. Yeah. 
um, you know, guys that you didn't think would be quite as good and ended up being really, really good. And, you know, some that weren't yet yeah, Giles Jackson, Tyreek Black. There, there's there's a lot for for various reasons. The first one to my mind, though, was Alan Bowman. And that's maybe a recency bias. I mean, you're talking eight years worth of guys now with Harbaugh. Right. Bowman's just now leaving, I guess. But yeah, he would be one for sure. Joe Milton. I mean, dude, I was I've told you this story a million times. I've covered recruiting at the time. I went down to Joe Milton's school, Olympia, watched him play. He was the biggest guy. He was the fastest guy. He could throw. He was bigger than his linemen. He was faster than his receivers. He was a better runner than his running backs. He could throw at 80 yards. His receivers couldn't catch. Not sure his coaches really knew what they were doing. I'm like, dude, the right people get their hands on this dude. He is going to be a monster. And I don't know. Just didn't happen. It just flat out didn't happen for him. Yeah, that that was where when I when I wrote down this question earlier, that was where my mind first went was Joe Milton. And I remember, you know, the hype leading up to, you know, just the physique and like you saw the the clips coming out of him just throwing the ball like 80 yards like it was nothing. And obviously that doesn't indicate, you know, that everything you need to be a good quarterback, but it felt like he just had all of the physical attributes you needed to your point if somebody could just point him in the right direction and get him to do the right things. And man, it was just, yeah, the, the Cam Newton 2.0 sort of comparisons, you know, I, I, I bought into that a lot and, and really thought, you know, not just with his arm, but I thought he would be more of a mobile threat. I thought he'd be able to go out and use his legs a little bit. And I just didn't see that happening. And so definitely got it wrong on, um, on Joe Milton. And I will say one of the guys that, um, quite honestly, I, I, I don't think I gave, enough credit to and turned out to be way, way better than I thought they were going to be Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell is a guy to me who, when he got here was kind of like an afterthought. He was, you know, not really big of a role player and has built himself up into a captain. He's the primary target. I mean, the, the leadership, the growth that he's, he's had during his career at the university of Michigan, being able to bounce back from that injury last year, He's a guy that has been, for me, a pleasant surprise. Did not think he would turn into what what he's become at the University of Michigan, and uh, you know, have just it's been a joy to watch his career blossom in Ann Arbor. And I, obviously, I wish him the best of luck in whatever the next destination is, wherever that may be. But yeah, was wrong for sure on Joe Milton, Giles Jackson, another good one. Thought uh, thought Giles Jackson was going to light it up on the field. He did not. How, how about uh, how about Hassan Haskins? Didn't even have a position for three years. There you go. There Ends you up go. being one of the most decorated running backs and is actually playing a decent amount of snaps for the Titans behind Derrick Henry, which like... And listen, and, and for me, maybe it's a sickness at this point because you know who else was on my list, but I didn't name him just now because I can't bring myself to do it. And don't say it. Don't I can't bring myself... See, I can't even bring myself to do it because I'm not ready yet <laughs> to admit that I was wrong just yet. But there is one player that I think I I may have been <laughs> severely wrong on, and uh, you know we'll just see uh, we'll see what happens in the future. <laughs> I would also say on the other side, I think he was Harbaugh's first full class, right? I could be having the time wrong. I come, I come. Every show, just clocking it every damn show, every show. Um. I was covering recruiting at the time, and I remember how big of a deal it was, how locked in I was when they when Michigan got Derek Green, and yeah. he was mediocre at best. He had a couple flashes. I think he actually went on to TCU, if I'm not mistaken. 
um, and played some years there when he transferred. Yeah. No, pretty sure. But anyway, yeah, I mean, you could you could do that for every school everywhere. I mean, you know, Harbaugh's been there eight years now. Chris yep. Fields with another donation. Appreciate it. Regardless of the fact that Brandon thinks the things that you say are cheesy, I want you to know my superstitions are why you've been magnificent. All right. Well, hey, I hope that's true. <laughs> I hope that's true. All right. Next question for me, Chris. I think that Michigan is a bad matchup for TCU um, in a lot of ways, but TCU has some real speed in the wide receiver room, and they have a tendency to hit big plays. One to ten, how worried are you about TCU's explosiveness in the passing game? Experienced guy like Duggan, he can get out of the pocket and make some things happen. They've got a, a first-round wide receiver. I, I keep forgetting his name. I think it's Johnson. He's huge. Long dreads, Chris. Guy right up. You love him. Love him. He runs like a 4-4, but he's like 6-5. He's a first-round pick. And they've got some smaller guys that can really go, too. Worry level, 1 through 10. Explosive plays for TCU. At one point, they led the country in plays over 20 yards. I don't think they do anymore, but they did. Maybe a 6. Okay. You know, you know but but Will Johnson's really come on. I do expect Michigan to give up a handful of big plays through the air because I think that's just, you know, the, that's what happens throughout the course of a football game. But by and large, I think Michigan's secondary is going to be just fine. And and at the end of the day, you know, if you're dug in and you're facing pressure all afternoon and it's causing you to get rid of the ball early or make mistakes, I just I think that's really where it starts for Michigan. And so Six because I do think that that the, that secondary do has they do have a tendency to give up some big uh, plays through the air, but is it going to be enough to change the outcome of the game? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you. I put it like mid level. Again, talking to the TCU insider today, they thought that was like where they might have an advantage over Michigan. I'm like, I don't know. I I mean, their receivers aren't as good as Ohio State's. I, I mean, yeah. you know, I just I don't know. You, you never know. That's why you play it. But I do think it's a tough matchup for them. Your turn. Your turn, brother. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready right, for listen, another one. Listen here, man. There's there's two guys. There's two guys. I think Michigan is going to lose one of them during the offseason when it comes to Jim Harbaugh's staff. But I'm going to ask you, Brandon, if you had to choose between one of these guys, you got to retain one and you're going to lose one. I, you know don't have I know who you're telling me. Listen, I already know you who the don't guys have are. a choice in the matter. You don't have a choice. So one's going, one is staying. Hold on. Sharon Moore, or, Jesse Minner. Yeah, okay. Where are you going? Who are you keeping? And uh, who are you saying best of luck in whatever it is you do? Man alive. That's really hard, dude. That's really hard. Let me keep... Let me keep Sharon Moore. Let me keep Sharon Moore. Wow. No. <laughs> no, let me keep let me keep Sharon Moore because I here's why. He just coached offensive line to back-to-back -back Joe Moore awards, which has yep. never been done. Yep. He's also an OC. He's also a phenomenal recruiter. He's also I just think he I just think he has a way about him that Dude, players absolutely freaking love him. Love him. I don't know if I know one. I the, players may feel that way about Jesse Minter too, but I'm not sure. I'm sure about Sharon Moore. I'm sure about that. And I, I would say like, I would just be like, all right, Jim Harbaugh, go find the third defensive coordinator in a row to kick ass again. I mean, like that's 
He hasn't had to replace a, a Sharon Moore. He's already yeah. had to replace a really good D coordinator in Mike McDonald, and he did it with Minner. Now, if Minner leaves, do it again. I mean, I, I realize that's a, it's a tough ask, <laughs> but it's, we've seen it at least. Yeah. I don't know if you can replace a guy like Sharon Moore. I just don't. <sighs> yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt it's a difficult one, but uh, for me, it was... How dare you ask that question, Chris? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people just saying pass. That's a, that's a good... Yeah, um, no. You know, if, if I had to choose and, and didn't have a choice in the fact that one was going to leave, I, I would choose to retain Minter at this point just because... I don't think you want to lose your defensive coordinator two seasons in a row, particularly after the type of season that this Michigan defense has had when you look at the, the, the halftime adjustments. And that's that was one of the biggest issues before, you know, even before Mike McDonald got to town with, with Don Brown, it was like Michigan does not make adjustments. They just, the scheme they run isn't right. They don't know how to make adjustments. And it seems like uh, Jesse Minner took what Mike McDonald started and improved on it drastically. And, you know, I give Sharon Moore all the credit in the world. I mean, co-offensive coordinator, obviously he's working with the best offensive line in the country now two seasons in a row. Uh, but I think he is headed for a head coaching position. I think he's he's ready to take that next step. And 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 if I were a betting man, I would put my money that that's probably going to happen this offseason. Again, purely speculating, but based on what, what Jim Harbaugh said, that, you know, Sharon is more than ready to assume that role. I think he will, and I think you know. I think the Michigan offensive line is established enough at this point where they could bring in an, uh, an experienced O line coach, coach those guys up, and then maybe you move Matt Weiss. You just have a single offensive coordinator. You know, maybe that that kind of takes away that dual offensive coordinator deal. You give that to Matt Weiss. You retain Jesse Minner. That's what I do at this point. Yeah, it's. This that's a question where there's not a right answer and there's also not a wrong one. It's like, golly, man, like I, I wouldn't want to get rid of either of them. Like I said, I think uh, if you did like a pro and con list, I think you'd have a lot of pros. I think yep. Sharon might have like a couple more, but maybe not, dude. I I mean, that's just a testament to the moves that Jim Harbaugh has made, the guys he's brought in. Pretty incredible. Um, all right. So I asked you about TCU's offense. How worried were you about their their explosiveness? Their wide receivers got some speed, some talent, some you know high end upside NFL promise, whatever. On the other side of the ball, dude, the defense. This this is where most people do not like TCU's matchup with Michigan. Chris, I'm going to show you a diagram. I hope it shows up well. TCU runs a three three five. All right, there's Michigan's line guard. Or center guard, guard tackle. They always have a tight end or two on the field. And look at those looks rinky like dink. Of, looks like a lot of space for Donovan Edwards as well. Look at those rinky dink little defenders in there. There are <laughs> six of them, but they're not big bodies. I yeah. I think they have to make wholesale changes on defense to even resist what Michigan wants to do. So what are your thoughts on three, three, five? Uh, I mean, my thoughts are I, I looked at, um, you know, TCU's rankings defensively when I sort of did that deep dive article on them and yeah. they're just not very good. I mean, whether it's third down conversion, um, you know, the, the, the passing game, the rushing, they're just, they're not that good on that side of the ball. And again, I don't think they have, there's not, I don't think they have not faced an offensive line like the university of Michigan all year. I think they're going to get pushed around up front. I think Donovan Edwards is going to have, 
you know, a field day once again. And then JJ McCarthy is going to be comfortable in the pocket and that, you know, he's going to be able to make throws comfortably. And it, if he feels a little bit of pressure, he's going to have license to take off and run. And my hunch is he's going to have quite a bit of room to do that as well. And so I think that's where the biggest discrepancy is. TCU's offense can give Michigan, uh, Michigan's defense fits. But when you flip it around and you compare Michigan's offense to TCU's defense, I think that's where the real discrepancy is. And I think, again, it's one of those things where Michigan is just going to lean on them minute after minute after minute. They're going to give up. They're going to get demoralized. And before you know it, that game's over. And it might happen in the first half. Yeah, that's – I'm curious. I think – Look, if Michigan, if it's close at halftime, I'll be like, well, Michigan will win by 20. Like it's happened 11 times. Like that's yeah. what you're 10 times. Well, whatever. Eight times, probably. Almost every Big Ten game, it went that way. The first three were obviously blowouts. With Illinois the exception of Maryland and Illinois. Yeah. So, yeah, six, seven times. Well, out of, out of whatever. Was Rutgers close this year? Yeah. I think it was like a three point game at the half. But then they pulled away. Eh, whatever. Okay. Michigan's half second half play has been otherworldly. Um, so yeah, I, I'm curious to see if it's close at the half and then Michigan pulls away, or if the running game just starts to work way earlier, which I think is very possible. I was hoping to look up their heights and weights, but they don't they don't have that. Um, anyway, so matter. I I went ahead and labeled them, but again, my point is you're not you've got a nose and then. <laughs> no size like they're gonna have to like i said wholesale change who their starters are up front in that front six dude i just see like dude i see like zinter olu combo blo combo block and then zinter up to like a small linebacker used to playing in space in the big 12 getting his ass kicked like play after play after play i don't even know if they have the personnel to switch it up that much because that's not what their team is built to do Three three five Michigan fans hate that. That is the defense that Rich Rod used to run. It sucked, and it, <laughs> it didn't work then in the Big Ten because the Big Ten was running the ball heavily at that time. Now things have switched a little bit. Everybody else is doing all this spread stuff. You need fast, speedy linebackers. Michigan's like, nah, we're good. We're gonna put nine offensive linemen on the field and just run it up the middle at you. I think TCU is in for a long long day this like this might be another like 400 yard penn state kind of performance dude i think they are going to run wild on tcu so agreed agreed all right um moving on brandon i'll just get right to it who is going to be the toughest player to replace in 2023 on the current roster who do olu. you think is going to be the toughest? Yep, olu i don't think it's even a question dude i mean i had high hopes for him when he got there and he surpassed them by a lot. I mean, that dude, they, they didn't make mistakes. They, J.J. McCarthy was sacked. Well, I know he didn't throw it a lot, so there weren't a lot of dropbacks, but I think he was I don't think Olu allowed times. a single sack. He, not he might one. not have allowed a pressure. I, I mean, just holding it down in the middle of that on the middle of that offensive line, and then when you've got two really talented, good guards next to you who you constantly give the right direction to, and then that trickles out to the tackles as well. I I just, I said it before the season started. I was like, I've never been excited to watch a center play in my life, but I am with him. And it was warranted. He won the Remington. He's an All-American. Like, he's a pro. He is a pro's pro. And he, he took that offensive line to another level. 
Yeah, I was going to go Olu, but since you went there, I'll go Mozzie Smith on the defensive yep. side of the ball. And I know that his numbers aren't gaudy. If you look at the stat sheet, no, it's not really going to jump out at you, but he was a guy that every single offense had to account for. He was a game wrecker. He's a guy that takes up a lot of space in the middle. And when you look at who Michigan has coming back, yeah, they got Mason Grant, they got Kenneth Grant, you know, they got Sean Benny. They've got guys that can, you know, fill the void. But you're talking about a captain. You're talking about a guy who transformed his body, his mind. He became a leader on this team. I think that that's going to be a, a a big piece to have to replace. But again, you know, prior to that, we were talking about how do you replace Aiden Hutchinson? How do you replace David Ojabo? And, and Michigan did. And so I think they'll find a way to do that. But for me, since you went offense, I'll go defense. And I think Mozzie Smith, that's going to be some big shoes to fill literally and figuratively. Correct. Correct. All right. I mean, what, I, what did Mike Sanders still call him? Like take a refrigerator and throw it down, downhill as <laughs> hard as you possibly yeah. can. And that's Mozzie Smith. Yeah. That's, yeah. you don't find a lot of those guys. Pretty much. Pretty much. Dude's a unit, an absolute unit. Um, he got so, lost in a prison and the security guards were not worried about him. Let's just put it that way. Like, he'll be he'll fine. Oh, <laughs> Mozzie's missing. Check the status of the prisoners. Like that's yeah, they were they were concerned with what might happen in there. Um four outcomes to choose from, Chris. Which one is most likely? I think I know where you're gonna go. Chris has got a little bit of slap in him, but we're gonna ask it anyway. <laughs> well, I'm losing that slap. Well, that yeah, this Slowly job will this job will do that to you. But four outcomes to choose from. We talked about this going into the Ohio State game, Chris. In fact, I think it was kind of something you focused on. You're like, everybody thinks that the only options are Ohio State to win big or win close. Like, nobody's e so in this one, what's the most likely outcome? A TCU big win, a TCU close win, a Michigan big win, or a Michigan close win? What's the, the most, most likely? I think the most likely outcome is what we've seen pretty much every single week this year is uh, it looks close at the half or relatively close. And then by the end of it, it looks like a dominant win for Michigan. And so yeah. if it's 40 something to 20 something, 50 something to 30, whatever it is, I just think Michigan is going to win convincingly to me. That's the most likely outcome because that's, that's what has happened. I mean, look at the game against Ohio state, look at the big 10 championship game. They just, every single game you go down the list with a few exceptions here with, with Maryland and Illinois, Michigan has found a way to adjust at the half, pull away, shut down their opponents, and and by the end of it, it's a convincing win for Michigan. And so I think that's the most likely outcome. I do too. I, I just I I can't see a scenario where TCU wins. So those are out for me. Yep. And it's just this just doesn't feel like a game that's going to be a grinder in both directions. I don't think TCU can hang. I think Michigan's going to run for like eight yards a carry in this game. I think it's going to be extremely lopsided. And I think Michigan's defense is plenty good enough to slow down whatever explosiveness TCU does have because they're a good offense. Duggan's a very experienced quarterback. He will make plays, but I think Michigan's defense is plenty good to keep them contained and to kind of run away with it. Like, really, yeah. I think I think that's what it's going to look like. All right, you should have one more. I do too. Final question for me. Final question for me. And we saw a little bit of it pop up here not too long ago. And then Jim Harbaugh came out and said, I think fans will, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. I think fans will be happy to know that I'll be back coaching in 2023. But that isn't going to stop the NFL rumors from happening. We've seen that it's every single offseason with Jim Harbaugh. There's rumors if there's a coaching vacancy, Jim Harbaugh's name is thrown in, particularly now that Michigan is playing at a high level. And I think his stock is continuing to rise. So I'm going to ask it this way. 
whether it's this off season next or the one after that, or the one after that, so on and so on. Do you think Jim Harbaugh ultimately interviews for another head coaching job at some point in the future? Yes, I do. I do because he's just, he's just driven and wired that way. I mean, he hasn't won at the highest level in the pros and he lost the, he lost the Super Bowl to his freaking brother, dude. I mean, like it's such a unique scenario and I feel like at some point you're, you're, I don't know, man, this, this two year run has certainly, I think rejuvenated his, his love for Michigan and his love for being in the college ranks. But I, I do think that he's, you know, he's got young kids. He's, he's got a family and the, it's just a freaking grind to coach college football, man, way more so than the NFL. And so there's a lot of things that come into play. I, I do feel like it's going to feel different than it has before. If, if that makes sense. Like I, you know, I felt like he was trying to get out, like actively trying to get out. I don't think it's going to feel that way, but I do think that there's a chance that the NFL comes calling again. And it's, it's something that I just don't think will ever leave him as a competitor. And you know, like it's going to feel different. Like before I was like, God, I hope an NFL team hires him. Like that's what I was feeling. I wouldn't feel that way anymore. And I don't think he's going to have to chase anything down certainly like he did in 2020 and then last year same thing like he killed it last year and still didn't really get like a ton of interest from the nfl i mean there were some teams that were kicking him around a little bit and obviously he interviewed with minnesota but they weren't knocking down his door and so i i just wonder what that's going to end up looking like if he does it two years in a row maybe three years in a row i mean they're dude michigan's going to be just as good in 2023 i firmly yeah. believe that and they get some of those you know they get ohio state back at home again they get you know, Michigan state back at home again. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry. Michigan state will be on the road. I just feel like at some point he's going to have another opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, he spoke about it a little bit when, um, you know, when he, when he was talking about why he interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job and that, you know, that itch is there and it's, you know, it's something that really never truly, I guess, goes away. And then you mentioned losing the Super Bowl to his brother, which I'm sure is, something that is somewhere there in the back of his mind rattling around. But the thing I go back to is the guy's 58 years old. And if he stays at Michigan for another two, three years, you're talking about a 61 year old, 62 year old head coach. And I just, I'm not sure even if he's achieving a high level of success at the college level, to me, it feels like, and I don't want to be an ageist. Like, look, like I'm, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm getting old too. You know, I'm, I'm kind of out of the loop. I'm not really up on all the new lingo and all the new social media things that are happening out there. So I get it, but I just feel like I, you know, the longer he stays, the older he gets to me, even if he's achieving a lot of success at the collegiate level, there's, there's less value in, in bringing him to the NFL. And so I do think his days of interviewing for NFL head coaching jobs are over. Uh, and I think that he'll probably finish out his coaching career at the university of Michigan. It wouldn't surprise me if he finished at Michigan, but I think there's going to be opportunities in the NFL. So I don't, I don't doubt there'll be opportunities. I just don't think he's going to interview for them. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Last but not least for me, we've kind of touched on this before assuming Michigan beats TCU. There's a level of sweetness involved in both potential opponents for the national title. Oh, but there's one that's so much damn sweeter. Is it though? That's yes. That's what I yes. want to do. Georgia is on the verge of becoming 
the next dynasty in the in the mold of Alabama would be back-to-back titles. They knocked Michigan out last year. If they beat him in the title game this year, they would knock him out again. That photo, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, Mike Morris watching Georgia celebrate, you could take it again. But there's Ohio State. You could beat him again two times in the same season, this time for a title. I think you could make a pretty good case for both, which one would be sweeter. Again, I, I have it on. Slurpy Chris, I know where he's going to go, but I want well, how how is that Slurpy? How is that Slurpy? Look, there's nothing Slurpy about it. Just let's break this down into a couple of segments. One, a Michigan Ohio State national championship game would probably be the most watched football game ever I'm of all time. I don't want okay. them. Don't go to bed. You're jaded. That, dude, to see those two teams compete for a national championship would be incredible. And then you get the opportunity to not just beat Ohio State once in the same season, but beat them twice in the same season and do it on the biggest stage in front of, you know, what, 20, 30 million people are going to be watching that football game. It would break the program. It would break Ryan Day. It would break the fan base. It would break the state of Ohio. And, and, those two decades of getting, you know, their asses kicked to the Buckeyes and hear, having to hear about it year in and year out, you beat them twice in the same season, once in Columbus and the other time in the national championship game, and you're hoisting that trophy. They can't say a damn thing about anything. And I am here for it. Give me Ohio State in the national championship game. I want it and I want it bad. Bring them on. It's pretty compelling. And you know what pisses me off is because when they backdoored their way into the playoffs, they went away for a few days. They they were like taking their licks and taking their medicine and they got their ass kicked. And then all of a sudden they backdoor their way in the playoffs and they're right back talking shit. And there was an excuse for this and an excuse for that. And there was supposed to be a fake punt here and there was a miscommunication. And had that happened, the game would have went different. And blah, blah, blah. Dude, give me the Buckeyes again on a neutral field for the national championship and watch what happens. Let the Wolverines beat the shit out of them again and see what happens to that fan base. They can't say anything. It's but pretty compelling. Okay, but that's the thing. I'm not in that mindset. Well, there is I, no but what if we lose? The, lo- the lose part wasn't part of it. I'm saying which one would be sweeter. Right. Your chance to beat Ohio State second time in the season, once for a natty, or to get some revenge on Georgia, perhaps knock a horn off of their dynasty formation, right? I mean, like that's I shit about Georgia. I hear you. I hear you. It's tough, man. I, I, I. You might have sold me, Chris. Damn you, it. I was the thing. How, how many opportunities are you ever going to get to see Michigan and Ohio State play for a national championship in your lifetime? If if it doesn't happen this year, how many more opportunities do you think you're going to get? I don't think it's ever going to happen again. Ever. Yeah. This is the closest we'll ever come to it. And this is like video game type scenario shit. I know. I want to see it happen. That I, I can't I can't stress enough how much more I want to see that happen than Georgia. I get that Georgia's considered the top dog number one team, but then again, if Ohio State goes and beats them, then is Georgia really what we thought Georgia was? You know, That's then fair. that calls that into question. And so yeah, give me Give me Michigan-Ohio State part two in the same season. Let's put it on a neutral field for the national championship and see what happens. 
that's where I'm at. That's pretty strong, dude. Because I was leaning Georgia. You might have sold me. You used to be in sales. <laughs> and uh, another life. I think a little bit of it. Can- I mean, I'm not ready to buy a fake Gucci suit out of your trunk, but I, I might pick Ohio State now at this point. <laughs> Dude, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, man, to see that happen, and I'm here for it. It's pretty they awesome. will never, ever, ever be able to live that down. Anything I mean, they say, any shit talk, dude, you could just come back to this 2022 season twice. I mean, I was I was ready to run through a wall in that stadium in Columbus <laughs> down on the field when they just had I, it, it just it just got in I just got in you, dude. And to do that, to do Colton that and leveling Donovan Edwards, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give it I want it all again, part two. 2.0. Give it yeah, to me. I'd like it. I'd like it. And and you're you're you are right. You are right because while beating Georgia would certainly have plenty of of storylines and really cool, oh, no. it's so much closer to home and would mean so much more for Michigan to beat Ohio State than it would to beat Georgia. I think in dude, the Big the Ten, up, the in the energy. Midwest, this. Dude, the storylines, the two teams walking out of the tunnel, the you know the the Buckeyes with so much anger and trying to get revenge, and Michigan walking into that game supremely confident that they're the better team. I just, I think it would be an incredible matchup, incredible television, incredible to be there in person to experience it. Uh, yeah, to me, it's it, and it's not even close. Like, yes, I know Georgia's great, but this is a once in a lifetime deal, man. I well, we're, we're north of an hour and a half. I'm going to hit the fade out. Holy maybe. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see if we wow. can. My dad texted me in the middle of that and was like, turn the turn the soundboard off. It's messing up again. But I don't know. I don't, you didn't say it was. I don't know if it was or nah, not. I sound fine. So, anyway, fade out music. Woo. Hour and a half. Shout out to the Army National Guard. Chris, your kid. As always. You've been going way too long. It's almost nine. Yep, yep. Monday night football is on. I got a little bet cooking. I got to go watch. Let's get the hell out of here and come back on Wednesday for some fan web questions. Yes, sir. Feel good about that, Chris? I feel great. I feel great. Thanks, everybody. I didn't didn't get to air all my grievances, but maybe we'll save that for Wednesday. Thanks to everybody who was here tonight. Yeah, we didn't go off the rails once. How about that? How about the discipline, the focus, the energy, the vibe? I was on with that TCU person today for like 45 minutes too today. My chores are fried, bro. Gone. (laughs) I feel like I sound like, uh, what's your boy's name? Your boy. My boy. Your your boy that your your top singing fella. My top singing fella? Freddie Mercury? John Fogarty, brother. Oh, Jesus. John Fogarty. Nah, don't you don't you dare disparage John Fogarty like that. I, I'm not. I'm saying my my natural pipes feel like you were right bored on the bayou. Okay. Oh, no. All right. I'm hitting end podcast, and we're going upstairs to get some food. We'll be back on Wednesday, everybody. Please.